The Wiser Podcast. Conversations, public talks, and audio essays from the WITS Institute for Social and Economic Research. Hi, I'm Cesar Mbofu-Walsh, a fellow at the WITS Institute for Social and Economic Research, and welcome to The Wiser Podcast. Professor Richard Rottenberg has made major contributions to post-colonial social theory, science and technology studies, anthropology, and philosophy. His many acclaimed works include Far-Fetched Facts from MIT Press in 2009 and The World of Indicators from Cambridge University Press in 2015. At WISER, he's building a continent-wide focus on science and technology studies in Africa. Hello, everybody, and thanks for listening. Given that the current pandemic is already in its fifth month, it is not surprising that more and more people begin to think about the time to come after it. In this moment of uncertainty and anxiety, it seems unavoidable to reflect about the new normality we might face, and particularly about the potential chances the crisis might entail for us. I follow this trend and speak about cohabitation of humans, pathogens, and technologies. First, I want to affirm that the way and the speed most countries reacted to the outbreak is, first of all, an achievement. It was made possible mainly by four things. The institutionalization of the universal human right to health, the establishment of an effective network of organizations under the leadership of the WHO, the agreement on a certain scientific expertise with its methods, and last but not least, the sobering fact that COVID-19 first affected mainly well-off people whose interests are best represented everywhere in the world. The relevant methodology saved innumerable lives in those countries where it was implemented in due time. At the same time, the virus caused a situation of radical scientific and deep existential uncertainty. We find ourselves practicing ground zero empiricism, as Lorraine Destin has called it, and we fear that we might currently be experiencing the beginning of a tectonic shift to something we cannot imagine. I will unfold my argument referring to the contemporary ground zero situation in four steps. I'll speak about the figuration of modernity, ask about a new figuration for the 21st century, and then come to pathogens and finally to technologies. So now, first, the figuration of modernity. The basic script of the methodology implemented to deal with the current pandemic is born out of the figuration of modernity. This figuration emerged in the 17th century across a few countries in Europe and has since developed further, slowly colonizing first the whole of Europe and then the entire world. The effort to colonize worked to erase other forms of relating to the world. Again, first in Europe and then around the world. According to the foundational assumption of this core figuration of modernity, the reality of pathogens lies out there in nature and can be objectively grasped by the natural sciences speaking their names in here in society by deploying their technologies. Following this foundational assumption, 
the institutional and epistemic network called upon by governments for advice on how to manage the COVID-19 pandemic in its early days included virologists, epidemiologists, statisticians and computational scientists. Looking at the selection of expertise is like looking at Wittgenstein's famous duck rabbit, a simple drawing that at one glance shows a duck and at the other glance a rabbit. The selection of expertise for the pandemic, one can either immediately recognize a rabbit, namely a logical decision beyond question, or one can spontaneously see a duck, namely a decision that is puzzling against the backdrop of several older health disasters where the medical expertise came second after economic and political interests. Similarly, we can recognize every day how timely deploying of the relevant methodology works and saves lives. Tragically, we can even observe how a late and hesitant deployment, like in the USA, proves the chosen procedure right. This can give us a sense of certainty and hope. To stay within the picture, we instantly recognize a rabbit. But at the same time, we cannot avoid but to experience every day a deep uncertainty about the virus and the dynamics of the pandemic. It is far reach, its far-reaching consequences unfold in front of our eyes and the uncertainty gets ever deeper. Hence, we instantly recognize a duck. This unmediated back and forth between rabbit and duck, when looking at one and the same picture, opens a space for reflections beyond the immediate crisis. The unique experience of being in a moratorium additionally nudges us into radical reflections. Some of us are deaccelerated and in a privileged reflective mode. Health workers and other experts are accelerated up to the point of collapse. And yet others, who cannot stay at home because they would have nothing to eat, are thrown into desperate situations that raise radical questions about injustice. So I come to my second point. Is there a new figuration for the 21st century showing up? Some of the reflections that come to mind go back to older debates about climate change and environmental degradation. These debates already prompted the emergence of a new figuration meant to replace the one at the heart of modernity. However, this newly emerging figuration has had very little impact until now. Its foundational assumption is that nature and society are in fact not separate ontological realms, but inextricably intertwined and co-produced. Relating to pathogens, this means that they only take on a certain form through their interactions with many different forces, just as these forces themselves take on new forms through their interactions with the virus and with each other. One of these forces is the scientific representation that enacts a pathogen and, to bring the point home, will normally enact it differently after more or less years of further research. The reference to the one and only objective and timeless nature of the pathogen as discovered at some point in time needs to be understood differently within the framework of the emergent new figuration. Starting from the foundational assumption that nature and society are not ontological separate domains, but inextricably intertwined and co-produced implies 
that the reality of an entity, for instance, a pathogen, is multiple. This is a complicated argument that I need to simplify. Here is one possible way to make it accessible. Similar to what has already happened in China, South Korea and elsewhere, people in more countries may soon download an application on their smartphones in which they insert their SARS-CoV-2 status. People who have been tested positive would enter, for example, this is freely invented, SARS-CoV-2 positive. The phone would then automatically exchange information via Bluetooth with all the phones it encounters. This would again automatically create a network of all encounters, significantly speeding up and increasing the accuracy of tracking the spread of COVID-19. Following the same logic, one could determine whether people with antibodies are really immune. This and similar technological approaches obviously have many technical, legal and moral presuppositions and consequences that are currently hotly debated. The virus that becomes real through similar technological apparatuses is related to, but not identical with, the one that becomes real through a polymerase chain reaction test, the PCR test. The digital representation of the virus again becomes different by becoming entangled with different forces in its digital life. Societies that protect themselves against the virus by deploying such technological equipment and legal regulations accept different degrees of restricting the privacy of their citizens. After a while, they become different from societies that do not use such equipment. Asserting that the virus is multiple does not imply that the multiple representations have nothing to do with each other. However, it does imply that the different expressions of the virus takes on through its multiple human descriptions and technological processings cannot be deduced from a single underlying objective and timeless reality, such, for instance, as a genetic nucleus. The different manifestations are no longer perceived as standing in a logical hierarchy, with one of them being situated at the bottom and all the others being deducible step by step from it. They are rather conceived as standing side by side. Since the debates about the ozone hole during the 1980s and ever since about global warming, climate change, biodiversity, ecological degradation and eventually the Anthropocene, an increasing number of voices from all disciplines argue that the ontological separation of nature and society is the root of a fundamental error. Some of these voices go further and state that this error is the cause behind the destructive human practices that threaten to end all life on this planet. Lately, advocates of this position gather around a few concepts such as one health and interspecies cohabitation. Even if every now and again some of these positions are attacked as being hostile to science, and some perhaps really exaggerate with their claims, they are actually trying to make an argument in support of better science. What really matters for them is that human health cannot be achieved or even understood without the health of the planet. The human body is not a biologically isolated entity. So now I can't speak about pathogens. 
Like bacteria, viruses live within certain environments, such as oceans and in digestive tracts of mammals. Accordingly, they also exist in our gastrointestinal tract, where they play an indispensable role for the digestion and the immune system. Some bacteriophages, viruses, do this by keeping bacteria in check, and thus they maintain the necessary balance within the intestinal flora. A living body, and thus also a human body, appears in this perspective as an assembly of different species. This assembly has no fixed and impermeable boundary towards the environment of the body, but rather lives from its selective permeability and adaptability. Few viruses are harmful to humans, and only very few are particularly dangerous after they have managed to jump from one species to another, for example, from a bat to a human. Assuming that we will be back to some version of our pre-moratorium normality, we can be sure that due to further ecological degradation, further crowding of humans and animals, and also due to the increasing density of cities, there will be more viruses that cross species in the near future. And due to increased mobility around the world, these viruses will again be all over the world within a few weeks. The emergence of a new figuration with a different foundational assumption about the assemblage of nature and society calls for a paradigm shift that has deep implications for inherited notions about living in harmony with nature. One of them is that back to nature makes no sense when nature is no longer conceived as a distinct ontological realm. That again has important implications for how to conceive a more sustainable cohabitation with pathogens and with technologies. So I now need to speak a bit about technologies. It was only within the figuration of modernity that one could have assumed that nature was a reality out there, and we as humans, with our technologies in here, had to either dominate it or subjugate ourselves to its domination over us. Under this assumption, it seemed that one could opt either for control or subjugation. Yet with the emergent figuration of the 21st century, asserting these two opposing alternatives is wrong. And if that is the case, the development of a vaccine as a technology against SARS-CoV-2 can perfectly well be part of a radically redefined interspecies cohabitation. For this reason, the similarity between the new figuration and the pre-modern figurations is misleading. This observation is also related to justice. The reduction of victims is indeed the overall objective and the most important indicator of success of an intervention. Yet, the distribution of victims across different parts of a population and of humanity at large is an equally important indicator. One among several factors causing highly unequal distributions is access to health services and medication. Perhaps the most urgent thing at the current moment of crisis is the development of affordable testing facilities, medication, and a vaccine against the virus for all people on Earth. Making drugs is extremely expensive and, in the current economic system, largely financed through the capital market. Within this system, drugs and vaccines only needed for the duration of a pandemic 
are not profitable for the pharmaceutical companies. Accordingly, the necessary and enormous financial resources cannot easily be generated via the capital market. Related debates and negotiations are currently running hot. The existing capitalist mode of financing pharmaceutical solutions contains several built-in mechanisms of long-term triage. These forms of triage regularly cause far more victims among disadvantaged populations each year than the current pandemic ever will. This long-known fact, for which the world has not yet been locked down, also shows that the pandemic is neither a natural disaster nor a purely medical issue. I want to conclude by stating that within the new figuration for the 21st century, working on the development of medication and vaccination cannot be seen to contradict the more fundamental endeavor to redesign the cohabitation of people and pathogens. It is rather part of it. Cohabitation includes humans, pathogens and technologies. Thanks a lot for your attention. <music>